Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Hey, I heard you needed inspiration. He's Ilana and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day. Every little thing's gonna be a-okay. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow, or find an awesome template. No judgment. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Little known fact about my guest today, I should say guests today, multiple. We are all connected, those of us included in this episode and those of you listening, in this stunning moment in time where all production, Broadway, off-Broadway, regional tours, concerts, Everything has just shut down, and we are all in a state of shock. And I was having all these conversations the day I found out my show was closing unexpectedly um, in the aftermath of Governor Cuomo's incredibly smart decision to have venues shut down immediately to protect New Yorkers. Um, We were all sitting there kind of in shock and talking about what that experience felt like. And I would say in the first 24 hours after this happened, I had had a conversation with Kristen Chenoweth and Judy Kuhn and Beth Malone and Joe Iconis and Jonathan Mark Sherman and Catherine Gallagher, all of us who had either been in rehearsal for something, about to go into rehearsal something for something or, or had a show that had to close down immediately. Um, for Joe, it was in Chicago and London. For the rest of us, it was New York. For Kristen, it was upcoming shows all over the globe. And in talking to everyone, I said, you know, would you mind sharing your story of what happened when you found out that your show stopped (laughs) suddenly, uh, what that was like? And so this episode is um, a medley, if you will, of different voices and what their experience has been and how they're processing it. I'm so grateful that everyone took the time to send me their stories. I hope you find them as compelling and inspiring as I do. It is astonishing to me always how for all of us in the theater community, when there's a crisis, our response always is to come together as a community and to heal together. And so being in isolation right now is just so counterintuitive for so many of us. 
And so I'm so happy that I can share these stories and these insights with you on this very kind of different episode of Little Known Facts. Hi, this is Kristen Chenoweth um, talking about missed or canceled performances. And the thing about Broadway is they just don't cancel performances. It's very, I think I've been alive long enough to see uh, the unfortunate 9-11 experience where we canceled, I believe it was two nights on Broadway. I wasn't working on Broadway at the time, but when I say we, I, I feel like we're a community. So Um, And then I remember that we went right back. Um, I remember another time, I believe it was during Promises, Promises, we had such a bad winter storm that they were thinking about canceling one of the shows, but we didn't. We were able to get to work and people were still in that audience, you know, greatest uh, town in the world. People, you know, coming in with snow boots and everything just to get there and, this during this time this is a this is a first to see um broadway shut down it's a real heartbreaker it's very emotional i'm sure a lot of people feel the same as i it's like i don't want it to come back and be different i want it to come back and be the same but of course that would be impossible to come back and be the same we will come back and be different but we will be stronger i'm encouraged to see people um, doing performances online. I will be taking part of, in one myself. And, you know, we're just getting back to being at home and being creative. And I bet you during this time, a great idea for a Broadway show is being born right now. So I'm trying to look at the silver lining in all of it. And, of course, I'm praying for all of us, um, all my friends who've been working on Broadway this year and We will come back and we will come back stronger and we will continue to process it together and there is no wrong emotion to have. I've gone from frustration to anger to deep sadness to why. These are natural human emotions and we might not be able to hug each other but the thought of virtual hug has never been more important than it is now. This is probably a long-winded answer to a question. Sure, I've missed performances due to illness, and other people have, but cancellations of shows just have very rarely happened in my in my time. So we shall move forward, and we shall move stronger and together. God bless. Hi, hello, howdy, hey. This is uh, Joe Iconis. <clears throat> I'm, um, am I supposed to introduce myself? I feel like I should. Uh, I'm Joe Iconis. I'm a musical theater writer and performer, and I wrote this musical, Be More Chill. Uh, and also I wrote this song called Broadway Here I Come, exclamation point, that some people know if they know me, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And uh, my musical, Be More Chill, was supposed to open in Chicago uh, next month, April, and we were supposed to start rehearsals two days ago, and that whole thing was postponed till the summer and hopefully it'll still happen in the summer and uh, the musical is also currently running or was currently running in London uh, and that production has been paused indefinitely and will hopefully reopen when this uh, this pandemic madness corona whatever you want to call it is over Uh, and um, it's a really strange situation because you know Be More Chill is a musical that has had a really wild life you know so much has been talked about um, by uh, by Alana and others about its strange journey from, you know, this gorgeous theater to River Theater in New Jersey, where it played for a few weeks to, uh, you know, New York City years later uh, to uh, from off Broadway to Broadway. Uh, and it's this show that has just been like touched by, you know, miracles and like rebirth so much, you know, the show is like, was really dead for a while and then people discovered it and kind of brought it back to life and uh, and our Broadway production which was so amazing and, and reached so many people and you know Broadway was always a dream of mine 
and to be able to fill, fill that dream with Dumer Cho was, was so incredible. But, you know, the production didn't run as long as myself or so many other people would have hoped that it would have would have run. And so, you know, to have the show in London uh, be received so warmly, um, it's, it's, it, it's been really exciting and felt like, oh, my gosh, Dumer Cho, which, you know, after we closed on Broadway, we sort of thought, OK, this is going to be the end of this thing to have this London production happen and then the Chicago production happen, it's been the kind of thing where it, it's felt like, oh, there's still yet another life. There's still yet another rebirth for this musical. And uh, and then to have those productions <laughs> cut short by like an act of God uh, is so, is so hilarious to me and, um, or not hilarious. I mean, it's sad, but it's, it's the ultimate, like, what do you do but laugh? Um, and just because our show has been like, it's been so like shot down so many times and had to rebuild itself. There was part of me when this all started happening that was like, oh, my God, this is my fault. If I wasn't doing a production of, of Be More Chill, if I wasn't doing two productions of Be More Chill, there wouldn't be a pandemic right now because that's the only thing that possibly uh, could have happened that would like wipe out both productions of the show. Um and I think that it speaks to my uh, my selfishness and narcissism <laughs> as an artist. But I, I was like, oh, man, this pandemic is my fault because of my musical. Uh, but it's it's so strange because, you know, I found out about the Chicago production getting postponed as I was coming back from teaching uh, a class uh, or guesting at a class of some high school kids at the Long Island High School of the Arts. Uh, who are doing a musical of mine, Things Through. And, and, you know, sort of talking about the business. And when I talk about the business to young people, I try to just, I try to be so positive and I try to be as, you know, imbue them with as much hope as I can. Because uh, I just felt like as I was a young person, I just always heard a lot of negativity from people in the business. It would always be like, this is impossible. And if you can do anything else, it's not this, you should do that. And so when I speak to young people, I always want to be like, it is possible. And if you work hard enough and if you believe in it, like it can happen. It happens to somebody, so it can happen to you. And so to be sort of like so positive and hopeful and then get a call from our producer is <laughs> like, um, so the production is not happening uh, in Chicago and the production in London is being paused. It was kind of like, okay, I have to actually believe all of these things that I say. But, you know, I do think that the amazing thing about theater is uh, is it's you know, it's like it's resilience. You know, theater is it is, you know, it's ephemeral and it exists in, you know, a certain time and place. And it's one of those things that, you know, you can close a show, but you can't kill a show. And no matter what happens with Be More Chill or any other you know piece of theater, it's going to pop up again. You know, be it in a few weeks or a few months or a few years, it's just the nature of the beats. You know, it's theater is fleeting, but it's uh, you can't uh, you just can't you can't stop it. You know, as wise Tracy Turnblad once said, you can't stop the beat. And I believe her. She's a beacon that I will hold up. Um, but, you know, it's my, my current situation is so funny uh, because most of my you know friends and collaborators uh are you are artists and are are sort of you know trapped self quarantining and and they're they're creating all of this art uh, but I'm in this weird spot where I'm actually on Long Island right now at my family's house because my mother uh, the great Lucille uh, she she had some major surgery a couple of days ago and it was surgery that was pre uh, you know it was pre planned and so we've known about this for two months that on Monday. March 16th, she was going to have this this major surgery. And so I was always planning on being home for this week um, so I could be with my family as my mom was in the hospital and recuperating. And so the this pandemic, for me, the number one thing that it, it, it did was sort of put this this very major, very important surgery for my mom in jeopardy. Uh, and so that was sort of been where my brain has been focused. So I haven't really, you know, had the thing of like, you know, oh my gosh, what's going to happen with my musicals? Of course, I care about that, but I've I've, I've sort of been the most concerned with uh, you know with my mom, and uh, and she was able to get her surgery the other day, and now she's home uh, recuperating and doing super well. Thanks for asking, anybody who wanted to ask. Uh, but it's it's sort of like immediately forced my my perspective on this whole thing to be a little different. Um, and I don't even know what that means, and I don't even know how that manifests itself. But I think it definitely is uh, it's made me not want to feed into the mania surrounding 
the whole thing. You know, I know that this is so serious and I know that being, you know, self-quarantined really sucks. And, uh, and the thing that, that, that bums me out so much about all of this is the, the, the theater companies, you know, the, the, and the, the small businesses and all of these people whose, whose lives are going to be changed forever because of this thing. And, you know, I, as someone who had, has, you know, self-produced a lot of stuff myself and as someone who works so closely with, with, you know, small entities, small business entities, um, mom and pop business entities, be it, you know, theatrical or, or, you know, a nightclub or bar or otherwise, uh, I just know how, you know, missing a day can like seriously set back a small business, let alone missing a week or two weeks or God knows how long. And so my heart just breaks through these people who have, you know, built these, built these communities. And that's what, you know, a small business or a theater company or a, a theater is it's like a, it's a community and I know how devastating this will be for those people. And so that's where my, my sort of heart and brain go to, uh, go to first with the whole thing. And of course, all I want to do is I want to like organize, you know, benefits. I want to play gigs at places for free and give all the money to the, to the place, you know, like the West Bank cafe on 42nd street that has the Laurie Beachman theater in it. You know, so much of my life has revolved around that, 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 that space around that, that, you know, bar and that, that nightclub. And, you know, I immediately, I was like, okay, how can I like, you know, play shows at the, at the West Bank for a month every night and just give the money back to them. Um, but you know, they have to close down for this. And it's, it's so, um, it's so the, the not being able to gather, the not being able to physically be in a space with other people is just so at odds with every impulse that I have and that I know a lot of other artists have. And, you know, the social media thing is great. And the, you know, the podcast thing is, is, is great. And I, I love that in 2020, we are, you know, living in a world where we can actually connect with other human beings without actually being in the same room as them. Um, but, you know, there's like nothing like sitting in the same room as somebody. Um, and so, you know, who knows how long this will will last. And I'm, I'm grateful that we, we have ways to connect with each other. But I would be lying if I didn't say it wasn't a bummer that we can't physically be in the same room because, you know, podcasts can do a lot, but they cannot convey a sense of smell. It's the one thing they can't do. And as you're listening to this right now, you have no way of knowing that I am, while sitting in my childhood bedroom on Long Island, I'm smelling the smell of, uh, of fried chicken cutlets wafting in to the bedroom because uh, a huge part of my life as an Italian-American is uh, there, are, there are meats that are just being fried at all times. And if you were here with me, you'd be experiencing that with me. But you're not. You're far away from me. But you know what? I just told you about it. So really, this quarantine and this pandemic is just, it's its showing me the importance of words and sounds. Uh, that's really what its it's doing. And I guess I'm slowly losing my mind, but I'm glad that other people are around to witness it. And I'm glad that Alana Levine is around to edit my rambles and make it seem slightly less like I'm losing my mind and more like I'm just um, a really uh, verbose, clever artist, writer, person. Good luck, everybody. I count us out. This is Judy Kuhn, and this is what went down with Assassins at Classic Stage Company. So I guess it was... It, we were in the second week of our rehearsals for Assassins, and as the week went on, it became clearer and clearer that things were getting challenging. And I guess it was la it was Thursday of that week, which was, I think it was the twelfth, that it was announced that Broadway was shutting down and all large cultural in institutions. Um, so two days later, on Saturday the 14th, they devised a new, they, they postponed the show for two weeks. They devised a new uh, rehearsal protocol where we were rehearsing very in a very limited way with very few people in the room to reduce everybody's commute, etc. 
And um, that was Saturday. We said bye-bye. And then Monday, it was. we learned that the, that all theaters were shutting down. So we got an email from John Doyle and also from the general manager just yesterday, Monday the 16th, that the show was going to be postponed. They haven't given us any details yet. I think they're figuring it out, and I'm not really, I, I, I don't know. I think we'll find out in the next few days what their plan is, but it's really, they hope that um, it will happen, and I pray that it will, because just the, from the two weeks I was in that room with those amazing actors, I think it's going to be something special and something the world should see right now. So my fingers are crossed, uh, but as far as, I, I, I think it was absolutely the right decision. I think everyone was so stressed out getting to work and with everything happening around, I think people just wanted to go home and do what we all were being asked to do, which is to social distance. Um, so I'm totally down with it. It's a disappointment, of course, but... I am a person who likes clarity, and now it's very clear the situation that we're in and what we, we're doing. And as of course, I don't, I still don't know what's going to happen, but I'm very hopeful that we'll still get to do our show. Um, yesterday, when we got the official word that we were officially postponing, there were a lot of emails that went around to. The, you know, between everyone in the company thanking John and thanking each of us for the work. And I imagine that we'll continue to keep in touch with each other. Um, it's a little hard right now. It's so confusing. But um, I have had the music going through my head all night long, which is causing me to not sleep very well. But I'm actually sort of trying to put the script and the music and all of it away for right now because I feel like I need to put my brain on other things because if we go back to it, it won't be for a couple months and I sort of need to just deal with the now. So I plan to read books and think of other projects in the future that I have control over, like a new concert, things like that. And, and just put assassins away just for right now. And, and when it seems like we're going to get back to work on it, I will dive back in. Hi, Alana. This is Beth Malone. Hi, everybody. Um, I was in The Unsinkable Molly Brown um, up until last Thursday. Um, we, uh, we had a, a limited run. So we had a limited run, uh, to begin with, we were going to close probably April 5th. It could have extended to April 13th or 12th or something like that. Um, and, uh, we went to work last Wednesday night. We did the show to about 80 people. Um, numbers had been dwindling. Uh, the full house is on this contract that we were on the off-Broadway contract. So full house was 199 people. So we're doing it to less than half. And, um, you know, we were just like, huh, this is interesting. This is a whole lot of work for 80 people. And, uh, you know, it'd been like that the night before was like maybe 90, maybe 120. Um, so we were just like, you know, getting used to the idea that we were going to do the show for these small numbers. And um, then on Thursday, we were going to come in and do the show. The uh, powers that be had said, yes, we're on. We are still uh, in compliance with the less than 500 people, you know, rule, the mandate that had come down that day. And um, then this group text started going around of our cast um, and different people within the cast expressing concern and fear and a reluctance to put themselves in harm's way on public transportation to get down and do this thing um, to probably an empty-ish house, you know. So 
I became at that point the mouthpiece of the group and I called Jack Cummings um, at the transport group and talked to him about people's opinions about what, you know, what was going down. And he was very supportive. He's like, we were only doing it because we wanted to give you all the opportunity to do it one more time and say goodbye because we are not coming back after this. That would have been, you know, we were only calling you all in to say tonight's our last show, which was shocking enough to hear, but also like um, good information to have because when I expressed that to the group, they were like, well, let's not then. And uh, we all know we get to make this cast album. So we'll see each other again. And it's devastating. It's shocking. And it's jarring. Um, but let's not force people to come down to the Lower East Side on subways to, you know, say goodbye, basically. Um, so that's what happened. And uh, a bunch of us ended up going down to the theater anyway to clean out our dressing rooms. And you know, just sort of, I went down because of the habit of getting ready, getting my stuff together, getting down to the theater, getting warmed up. And I was like, so it was like five o'clock when this all came down. And the idea of just like staying home and not doing it was just emotionally overwhelming. I was just, I was just, everything, my body, my mind, my heart and soul was just geared get up and do this this Herculean task of playing Molly Brown. It was giant. I mean, like, the show was a beast for me in particular. So, you know, I I was, like, kind of a soldier, you know. I was putting myself in, in this, like, state where I was very, um, you know, fit mentally, physically, and just, like, so geared up to do it every night. You know, it really took a bunch of... Um, just energy to get myself into the pre-show space to get on, you know, and start this thing. So I was there by the time that the show got called. So I went down to the theater anyway. And so did so many of the other castmates and uh, packed out of my dressing room. I got way too much stuff in there, like way more stuff than, you know, you think, oh my God, I can get, you know, and get this out in two grocery bags. Nope. It was like a huge haul of stuff I had accumulated. And um, then I was going to take one more spin around the stage. Uh, and, and, uh, and upon doing that, it kind of turned into a, hey, let's, let's pile up the, the scenery and sit on it and take pictures. And then it became a, let's get music. And then it became a, let's, I have a bottle of whiskey. And so it just turned into this party on the stage where we, we actually really needed it. And the people that were there... Um, it was just such a great group of people, some who had been involved in the show for a really long time like me and some who were newbies. And, um, and we just we had a really nice hang and we, we said goodbye to our show that way. That's how we did it. Then we all got in an Uber together and hauled our crap back home and that was that. And uh, it was so strange. I mean, it was just like so odd. And I know everyone else was going through this exact same thing, but um, processing it uh, was was really, uh, it was complicated and I'm still processing it. My body is still letting go of the show. I had dreams about it for the first couple of nights. And then we were supposed to do the cast album and that got canceled because of the not gathering in groups of more than whatever now. And so that's gotten pushed. So we have that to look forward to. We can um, look forward to the day when we all get to be in the same room together again. And we all get to revisit this material again. And um, this time in our lives, we just put so much heart and soul into this thing, as I know every other cast across across New York that got uh, shut down. You know, for the ones who got shut down and never to return, um, it's just such an odd feeling. I know... Joelle, my friend Joelle Prez from Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice, same thing, and, um, and you, Alana, and, and uh, so many of us are in this same strange boat together. So misery definitely loves company, and uh, I'm happy to share this story so other people can benefit from it and sort of take heart that it's supposed to feel weird because it's weird. All right, thank you so much, and we ain't down yet. Bye.
Hello, it's me, Katherine Gallagher from Jagged Little Pill. Um, I am uh, voice memoing here from my parents' house in the woods, um, which is, is quite a beautiful place to be socially distancing myself. I'm very lucky um, to have this sort of retreat, um, but I, I am. it is a very sort of surreal existence right now to be, um, you know, usually today I'd be getting ready to do two shows, um, and a week ago, that's what we were doing. Um, and I do remember the sort of energy in the theater last week um, on our last day of shows, which is Wednesday, uh, sort of was when we found out there were, you know, cases hitting closer and closer to home. Um, so we kind of had this energy of like, you know, there were rumors we wouldn't be doing the show next week or, you know, that it might it might sort of interrupt our show schedule. But we none of us really imagined that it would happen as sort of quickly as it did. Um, by the time we all woke up on Thursday, there was definitely some more rumors. Um, and I know people were feeling quite anxious to return to work and, and, you know, our, our incredible producers and our entire team, um, everyone was meeting together to sort of try and find out what was the best, most responsible, um, way to keep everyone safe and healthy and to keep the, um, Broadway community safe and and also alive i think that's the um the scariest thing about this time right now is that you know while we're doing the the correct and the safe thing um for our planet for our neighbors for our friends for um our at-risk people um that means an entire industry shutting down which is putting a lot of people out of work and um especially people who are so used to being the the bringers of joy uh to to New York to our community um you know I, I usually the answer for us theater theater is such medicine and of course it's just not the medicine that the world needs right now um so it is really really surreal and and um bizarre to be in this position where we don't know um we don't know, you know, what, what the state of the world is going to look like in three weeks. Um, and as of right now, we're coming back to the show in April. Um, and whenever it is safest to go back to the show, I cannot wait to be back on stage performing it. Um, and I do think what, what I do think is really exciting um, is that even though Broadway has gone dark, uh, none, of our, none of the performers have. Um, there's been so many live streamed concerts. There's been so much content put out and it's just so cool to see, um, to see this whole community really, really come together in an extraordinary way, even when sort of our jobs have taken this hiatus and and our shows have been suspended. Um, but it's definitely, you know, Broadway is one of the most resilient, um, communities, industries in the world, I think. And, and, um, I know all of us are so excited to get back to doing the show. And I know we also all know how important what we're doing right now is, um, and that is staying home. Um, which is so funny because two weeks ago, I would have given anything to have like two days off in a row. And now I'm just like, Oh, I want to get back to the theater. I want to keep doing our show. And, um, you know, ramping up to such an exciting time when so many shows are opening and in tech and previews and, you know, my heart goes out to all of the other shows that ha- haven't had a chance to get on their feet yet and have been working for however long, you know, in so many cases it's years to get to this point. And so I really hope that we get to see all these shows um, up and on their feet and thriving and see everybody thriving soon, um, as soon as it is safe to do so. Um, but yeah, it's really truly a, it's just such a, a, a surreal time. Um, I'm using my time mostly, I'm writing a lot of songs and um, I'm learning how to use logic, which I don't really know how to do. Um, so it's a bit of trial and error and uh, I'm trying to be the best musician I can because um, it's been a while since I was really a practiced guitarist in a, in a good way. Um, and I'm sort of teaching myself piano here. And I'm also kind of trying to take some time to relax because I haven't um, gotten to do that this year for me has been such a whirlwind and has been such a really, really intense time. Um, 
right before we started rehearsals, I was going through personally this really crazy time. So I'm kind of like, feel like I'm right now decompressing from like the craziest year of my life. Um, and so I'm, I'm trying to also remind myself that it's okay to relax and to take a deep breath and to um, sort of, you know, go inwards a little bit. Um, and of course, uh, trying to stay healthy and, um, you know, walk my dog and walk my dog in the woods. Uh, two of my friends and I, two of my friends were up here for some, for a couple of days and, um, and we had a dance party on the internet. I don't know if you guys tuned in, but me and Ben Platt and Noah Galvin did an online dance party, um, which basically came about by, we were like sitting around the table talking about Gilmore Girls. And I was like, oh yeah, they do a, a dance-a-thon in that show. That'd be so cool if we could do that on the internet and raise money. Um, and then we did. <laughs> and so we don't know how much money we raised because it was sort of, you know, donate what you got straight to the link. But we definitely raised some spirits, mine included. And I'm like so beat already today from it. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see cats. I've never seen cats excited about that opportunity. I'm trying to just really stay optimistic and try and use this time to kind of like listen to myself and do what my body sort of tells me and also do all the things that I complained about during the show I didn't have time for, <laughs> like keeping up with my friends. And um, of course, so much of that is like, I just want to go out to dinner with my friends, which of course we can't do, but that is what FaceTime is for. Um, and I'm excited to demo a lot of these songs that I've been writing and um, I keep threatening to maybe just put out the demos, uh, but I gotta make sure that they sound okay because I'm such an amateur, but I'm working real hard on it. Um, so that's pretty much where I'm at and I cannot wait to return to Jagged Little Pill. I'm so excited to get back on stage, but until then, I'm just gonna be on you know Instagram Live and um, trying to find ways to connect with you guys and um, trying to read books and get a little smarter and you know, take some of these online Instagram workout classes. And um, I hope you guys are doing the same. And if there's anything I can do to brighten your day, let me know. Um, and I hope to see you at the Broadhurst soon and on the internet sooner. <laughs> Love you, Alana. Hi, this is Alana Levine. So on Thursday last week, Right after Cuomo announced that venues with more than 500 seats were going to shut down immediately, I got an email asking to if the cast could gather at 6.30 rather than 7.30 for half hour uh, for a company meeting. And basically we were told that that was going to be our last performance of The Perplexed. And what was so shocking about it is that even though news of corona had been kind of taking over the airwaves more and more. Our houses, although not full, had been so warm and uh, really loving our show. And so even though the news was asking people to be cautious, we were finding that even though our houses were smaller, the people there were just loving it. And it was an incredible feeling to sort of take ownership as a company of this play. The play was super challenging and I think we all were kind of sliding into this really wonderful place of taking ownership of the play, deeply, deeply connecting to our characters and each other and like this feeling of we're just getting started and the audiences were going along with us and word of mouth was happening and this thing that we had dreamed of was really happening in the way that we hoped it would. And suddenly to be told right when things were kind of peaking in this wonderful way that not only would this be our last show, that which was shocking, there would be no chance that the show would come back on the other side because of the commitments that the theater had to the next show coming in. And we all were stunned and deeply, deeply saddened. And also, because we're actors, we just have always seen ourselves as the people who show up no matter what. You know, the show must go on. And the idea that when our... I don't know, country and specifically city was in distress. 
we're so used to being the ones to cheer everyone up or bring everyone together or create a piece of art that can distract or calm or provoke conversation or something. And to be told that the thing that we love to do and the thing that we feel gives us purpose in society, um, which is to tell stories and to tell them for each other, would suddenly not be useful, in fact, would endanger people, was just so counter to everything we've ever known and done. You know, you've heard it before, but after 9-11, Broadway was back in two days. Um, When there have been, you know, things like uh, Hurricane Sandy in the New York metropolitan area, if people could get to the theater and not be in danger by coming to the theater, we would be there to perform for them. And so this was like suddenly Barry Grove, the lovely managing director of Manhattan Theater Club, was speaking in tongues. We did not understand what he was saying. And then I guess, I'm not sure why this was a thing. Maybe it's an equity rule. I'm not sure. But we were asked if we wanted to take a vote to make sure, uh, a secret vote, to make sure that everyone still wanted to do the play. And so... Backstage crew and stage management did one secret ballot and the actors, uh, the principal cast and the understudies went into another dressing room and did another secret ballot. And there was one person in our crew that voted no, but it ended up being a majority vote. I don't know that any of us were sure that it had to be unanimous versus majority, But for some reason, we all agreed it was a majority vote. I don't know who the person was who didn't want to do it, but we did it. And it was the most um, really bittersweet experience. We were all deeply sad and confused up until the moment we entered for our various entrances, pardon me, entrances in the play and then ended up doing a show that will be one I will always be so proud of. I felt like everyone was deeply invested in their characters and each other. The audience, not knowing they were seeing the very last show ever of The Perplexed by Richard Greenberg, directed by the magnificent Lynn Meadow, uh, would never happen again. And after the show was over and we all greeted the guests that we had and told them what had happened... Um, They were shocked. We were sad. We went back onto the stage as a company and sort of had an Irish wake. Suddenly, bottles of bourbon and champagne and wine appeared from dressing rooms and elsewhere. A pie arrived, cookies, chocolates. We were um, feasting and drinking and laughing on that astonishingly beautiful, detailed Santo Loquasto set that we all dreamed that we could live on. And we stayed till the wee hours of the morning because none of us wanted to go home. And most of the cast ended up packing up their dressing rooms that night. But I have a tendency to not just have stuff in a dressing room, but really move into a dressing room. So there was no way um, I was going to be able to bring everything home. And... I came back the next day, and it was so eerie to come back to the theater. I was the only one there at the time. Um, I walked around that set. I really just took it in. There were remnants of the party the night before. Um, The props that are usually reset for the beginning of Act One and all of the furniture that's reset was left in its act two positions from our last play. And I took a couple of things, some legal pads that different actors wrote on during the show, um, some bits and bobs of a first aid kit that one of the actresses used uh, in the play to help another actor heal. And then I packed up my stuff and I said goodbye to this beautiful play and this beautiful set, 
and this beautiful experience that I dreamed of for so long. You know, if you know me or if you listen to the podcast, you know that it had been quite a while since I did a play. And I just want to take a minute to thank Anna Itty and Frank Wood and Tess Frazier and Margaret Colin and Eric William Morris and Patrick Breen and Zane Pies and J.D. Taylor and Greg Edelman, who played my husband in the play, and everyone in Manhattan Theatre Club, and really everyone who became my new family during the time of The Perplexed, and to everyone at Manhattan Theatre Club, thank you from the bottom of my heart for one of the most meaningful experiences of my life, and to the audiences who kept coming even when news of corona and the virus and the dangers of being out and about, for those of you who love theater so much that you can't stay away until the governor commands it, I feel you and I can't wait to see you all again. And I wish you health and I wish you safety and I wish you um, good friends and community to help get through this time with. And to all of you who are just sharing your content through social media, thank you. I'm watching and I am so inspired. Hi, my name is Jonathan Mark Sherman. I adapted the book for the musical of Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice, which premiered at the new group this year. Uh, I am recording this in my office where I got a call about working on the show from our director, Scott Elliott, a bit over three and a half years ago. Uh, We had our first rehearsal in December, our first preview in January. We opened in February and we closed in March. Now, uh, we were supposed to close on March 22nd after a um, week-long extension, Uh, But we actually closed 13 performances early on March 11th. Um, My pal, the one and only Ilana Levine, asked me to share my feelings about our show being one of so many shows which have closed early due to this topsy-turvy, scary world we currently find ourselves living in. Um, I feel we are quite lucky, actually, uh, starting with the fact that we got to put on our show at all. Um, While we didn't get to do 13 of our scheduled performances in the limited run, um, we did get to do 59 performances, which means that thousands of people got to witness Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice dancing the Madison. And for that, I will always be grateful because uh, it was a group of thrilling actors and musicians performing our show. Um, About 10 days ago, I got to see them perform the show for the last time. Uh, Now, I didn't realize I was seeing it for the last time. Uh, I thought I had a solid two more weeks to pop in and enjoy experiencing the work of this cast and crew. I grown to love the sublime actors, the killer band, the wonderful crew, the gorgeous design, the the whole intimate, fluid, human production with songs which are now a part of me, and uh, of course the laughter. Um, I'm oddly feeling uh, both proud and relieved that we closed early. Um, because at the risk of having Ethel Merman rise up from the grave and throttle me for thinking that the show must not go on, um, well, my experience of our premature closing was this. Uh, I noticed in the uh, daily performance reports um, that uh, our stage manager, the wonderful Valerie Peterson, would email uh, us that at the uh, performance on Tuesday night, the 10th, Um, After a night off, uh, there were only 127 people in the audience, which was somewhat alarming, um, as was the notation of Valerie's that many of them were wearing surgical masks. Uh, So after reading the next day's performance reports and seeing that there were 88 people in the matinee audience and 80 people at the Wednesday evening performance um, audience, Again, many of them wearing surgical masks um, for a show staged with an audience on uh, two levels and three sides of the playing space. Um, Well, it was 
heartbreaking but uh, quite clear to me that ending the run prematurely was the only responsible thing for us to do. Um, so uh, I emailed that night with our wonderful director, Scott Elliott, who is also the new group's founder and artistic director, and uh, Derek McLean, who not only designed our gorgeous set, but is also the head of the theater's board. And um, uh, thankfully, we were all thinking the same thing um, and all on the same page. And uh, by the next day, which was last Thursday, all of Broadway and most of Off-Broadway was on that same page. Um, and uh, so that was that. Um, and I'm sort of grateful that I got to see the production for the last time, not realizing it was the last time I would be watching it. Uh, it was Saturday night, March 7th. Um, and I was sitting in the last seat of a row on the stage right section up in the mezzanine of uh, the beautiful Linney Theater at the beautiful Signature Theater Center um, uh, because the house was full. Uh, and I never watched our show from that exact seat, so everything looked just a tiny bit different than I'd ever seen it before. Um, it was a great performance that night to a great audience, which uh, included uh, the iconic singer and activist Judy Collins, <clears throat> a uh, friend of Suzanne Vegas. Um, after the show, I went across the street with some of the cast uh, to the West Bank Cafe, where I've been going since I was a teenager. Um, and we just shot the breeze. Um, uh, Carol and Ted and Alice were all there, um, far better known by their actual names, um, uh, Jen and Michael and Anna. Um, Anna's equally great husband, Nick Blameyer, uh, was there, and uh, so were the lovely Joe Iconis um, and Lauren Marcus. So there was a lot of brilliance at the bar of the West Bank Cafe that night. Um, but it was a seemingly regular Saturday night during our run, so I, I didn't say any sort of a long goodbye. I just ended up zipping out after a couple of seltzers, and um, I shared a taxi downtown with Zegan, uh, just a, a couple of grown-up Jersey boys chatting. Um, there are things that I find you don't want to tell an actor in the middle of the run of an ongoing live show. Um, at least I don't. Uh, I don't want to point out some quirky little moment that I've come to worship because, you know, what if naming it makes it go away? So, uh, better to name it after the show is all closed. Um, so here I sit tonight in limbo, uh, waiting for a closing night party that won't happen anytime soon. Um, to mention how much I looked forward to so many moments from all of them, so many little details, far too many to name all of them here. Um, one little example, uh, a moment that I never wanted to mention until we closed uh, was when Alice turned off the two lamps as the last person to leave the Las Vegas hotel room near the very end of the show. She would laugh quietly and privately to herself. Um, and I just grew to love it so much. It, it was wordless. It felt true. Um, and it said something hopeful to me about the future of this quartet of uh, frightened people. Um, now, may have just been uh, Anna laughing and relieved that, uh, you know, one more performance down. But, uh, but it, it, it grew to mean a lot to me. Um, also, something I, I have yet to admit to Suzanne in person uh, is that I used her song, Left of Center, as the score for my first original play, Confrontation. Uh, that was a, a five-minute sketch at um, Stage Door Manor in the 80s, starring Renee Weingrad and Josh Charles. Uh, but I figured I could confess that to Suzanne on closing night, since I can't imagine that we paid a royalty, and we totally should have, and now I'm feeling totally guilty. Um... But uh, when I think about the show now, I, I, I picture these two robes, um, these two institute robes, patiently waiting in boxes high above the stage to fall surprisingly from the sky. Um, they were a gorgeous lo-fi solution uh, in a show that was filled with gorgeous lo-fi solutions. Um, Scott Elliott, our, our fearless director, wanted to make an intimate analog musical in which the audience leaned into the actors rather than the other way around from the very beginning of the process. Um, and every decision and detail that went into the show attempted to do just that. Um, 
and I still can't believe in this wireless day and age uh, that our show got to have these beautifully period-correct microphones with their unpredictably uh, astonishing chords. Um, the final lyrics of our show are uh, What's up with love? What keeps me wondering and questioning everything and choosing you again? And those three words, uh, uh, choosing you again, that's what the show's about for me. Um, so even though our kooky little musical closed 13 performances early in the middle of a um, global pandemic, uh, I still consider myself extraordinarily lucky because um, I do get to choose the loves of my life again and again and again, uh, my wife and our two children. And I choose them every day in whatever this brave new world of ours is, and I choose them always. Um, and as for our Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice family, uh, I can't wait for the first time we get to regroup in person and laugh once again. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but until then, I shall picture them in a nightclub right after they spotted David Siegel, um, getting lost in the age-appropriate bliss of dancing the Madison as a quartet. These four brilliant, brilliant actors with Suzanne and Jamie and Jason and Noel and Simon right there with you, lost in the moment. A quartet moving as one. Um, and in the meantime, we've always got Instagram. Uh... I'm so thankful to all of them for their artistry and craft and humor and intelligence, uh, which made our trip back to 1969 such a joy for me. Um, so anyway, uh, I hope that's okay. Do keep making art, everyone, uh, and staying safe and washing your hands. Um, and please don't just think you'll be kind, feel like being kind and be kind. Um, and now uh, I think I'm going to listen. I feel like I'm going to listen to uh, Hard to Say Goodbye, My Love from the original cast album of Dreamgirls because I believe that it contains deep musical theater wisdom. Love to all. Ladies and gentlemen, in their farewell performance, The Incredible Dream.
Little Known Facts is edited by Nicholas Klar and recorded in New York City.